listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. Thank you, guys. Welcome to uh, the Mission. My name is Mark. As Jason said, I'm part of the preaching team here at the Mission. It's been a been a few weeks since if you've been if you haven't been here for a few weeks, you probably haven't seen me, but. Uh, I'm so excited to be preaching on Father's Day. Actually, um, there's a hugely important topic that, um, that I have to bring for you guys today. Um, the, the topic that, that I'm the most excited about today is really the fact that the, the U.S. Open is, is um, the final round is today. So I'm rooting for, um, I'm actually rooting for Justin Thomas. I think he might win. But you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, right? So U.S. Open is not a big deal to you, but it's the most important thing in my house and, and today. And my kids got me golf gear today, so, you know, they're, they're, they're excited. But seriously, happy Father's Day to all of you um, who are fathers. Those of you who have fathers, don't forget to, uh, to call them today. Um, it's my dad's birthday today, so it, it's also Father's Day, so happy birthday, dad. And happy Father's Day, and you're the best, and thank you so much for being here. So, um, we also actually, as Jason already mentioned, we, we celebrate men of influence here today too. So I see people who aren't fathers, and that's okay. We still celebrate you because, um, because men and, and influential men are so important to our culture today. In fact, I believe as husbands and fathers and, and men of influence, we have one of the most important roles in our culture today because in our culture, we have, we have such a prevalence of fatherless children, p- people who don't have role models to look up to, and we we need to step into that gap. That's a huge and important role that we all play. And uh, so I'm super passionate about that topic, and I don't take that role lightly, Um, and it's it's why I'm actually excited to be discussing um, this topic. Actually, we we came up with a series because I really felt like, you know, we we all felt that God is really calling us to have better relationships within our families, whether it's parenting or... or, um, or, or, or our spouses, or, or even if you're single, um, all of these relationships that we, that we think are so important, they're so vital to making our life rich, and it's, and it's how we relate to each other um, in a godly way. Um, but, but there was a time in my life, actually, that, that, um, that I wanted to be a father so bad that I wasn't, though, and, and, and Father's Day just felt like an empty, empty space for me. In fact, I hated Father's Day. I hated it. I felt like all the struggle and the angst and anxiety that we've all been talking about the last few weeks about how relationships are hard and, you know, that's, that's all cute and, and sweet and all. I just wish I had your problems. I just wish I had those problems because, because you know, I, I wish I could complain like I do now about my kids, you know, well, you know, not getting into the right first grade class or something like that. I wish I had those problems. <laughs> you see, Adrienne and I, we wanted to be parents so bad. And after a few years of marriage, we knew it was time to start getting, you know, getting, getting on the ball or whatever, you know. I mean, ready, re- that wasn't good. Um, it's, it's time to start settling down and having kids, right? Because our, our friends were all having kids. I mean, it was kind of, they were into the diaper stage and then past the diaper stage and then you're starting to get into the kindergarten stage, and, and people are looking at us like, um, you know, when are you guys going to have kids, right? And we were getting, we're getting old, I thought, but uh, now we're really old, so. <laughs> so, but it was, it was like this deep desire we both had in our hearts to be parents, and, and, 
And you know this, if you've been around church people, or, or any people actually all, uh, at all, you, you, you kind of know that once you start being married for a few years, people start looking at you and asking that question, right? When are you guys going to have kids? Um, you know, what's, what's going on? And then so uh, it wasn't, it just wasn't working out so easily. My parents always told me, you know, this, the best part of having kids is actually trying to have kids. And I thought that was, you know, <laughs> true for a while, but, but, <laughs> but after a while, it started to feel like failure, like, like it's just not working, and, and, and this is hard. I don't know many of you, maybe you've struggled with, with the diagnosis of infertility, but for us, it was a huge struggle. And, and there was a lot of pain and heartache and crying, and sometimes there was a blame and frustration, frustration with God, frustration with each other. Why is this working? And the struggle was real in my family. But, but thankfully, by God's grace, by God's grace, we have been blessed with a huge story of redemption and, rest- and restoration. And be- despite that pain, uh, you know, I, the truth is these, m- these moments in anger, of anger and like sadness with God, that's, 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 that's real. The struggle is real. And, and, and at that time, we didn't really feel the hand of God in, in it. You know, we couldn't see that. Sometimes it's hard for us to see that. And so in this series, we've, re- we've really acknowledged that, that, that relationships are hard. But for Adrienne and I, it wasn't just that the relationships were hard. It was that the lack of relationship was hard. We wanted a relationship with that child. And, and that was hard, that we didn't have it. So after the, over the past several weeks, we've examined those different relationships and areas we talked about a little bit. You know, we, we talked about, you know, those of you who are single and, you know, looking to get married, those of you who are married, um, those of you who had kids. Sometimes, you know, your, your, your extended family relationships are just a mess, right? Uh, you know, there's dysfunction. We talked about that last week. And if you have missed any of it, I mean, I, I know that not everyone can make it every week, but if you've missed any of that, there, those are some amazing truths I mean, I listened to, I wasn't here for Brian, uh, for Brian and Jody's talk, but it was so incredibly um, uplifting to me to talk, about, to talk about love and respect within our marriages. These are hugely important pieces. But I can't help but wonder, for some of you, especially on a Father's Day like this, the truth is you heard about marriage or you heard about parenting or you heard about dysfunctional families and you thought, you know, I wish I had those problems. I wish I could complain about that. Because perhaps you struggle with infertility like we did, or, 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 maybe, or maybe you're missing a father, or you're missing your mother, and, and you, don't, you don't have that chance, that chance to hold them one more time, or to talk to them one more time. For some of us, we wish we could have a hug from our husband or our wife one, more, one last time. Talk to that sister or that brother or that child, one last time. You see, for some of us in this room, for us, the struggle isn't within the relationships. The struggle is, there is no relationship anymore. We wish they could be here. They wish, we wish they would come, come here now. So the finality of being a widower or a widower or the, or the, or the uncertainty of being a couple in, in infertility or, or the anguish of losing family members, that is truly a struggle. And that struggle 
is real. So how do we find hope and restoration in that? How do we find hope and restoration in that story? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Because I believe God has a plan and he has a way of redeeming those stories. And actually, if you, if you, I'm thankful for, for Kim for, for reading a psalm because we're gonna talk about the psalms today because the psalms are all full of these stories of redemption, stories of pain and suffering and, and, and David calling out, crying out to God saying, this is not fair, why me? This isn't fair. But he, and he was real about it, he was raw about it and he, he talked about it talked about his struggles with God. And, and this week is, is strange because I had a plan, you know, like we do sometimes when we stand here, up here, and, and we had a plan, I had a plan of what I was going to talk about and the, the exact scriptures I had because I've done this, I've talked about this, this, this struggle before um, and God had laid something different on my heart. And so, so this is what God laid on my heart was the Psalms. And the Psalm that I, I heard this week was Psalm 40. And I was actually watching, um, I, I actually don't have Facebook on my phone anymore, but I, I was like on Facebook on the computer actually, which I don't know if you guys even do that anymore, but, but actually once in a while I like type in facebook.com because I just wonder what my friends are doing. And Jason had posted something about um, Bono talking about the Psalms. Bono is, a, is the lead singer of U2. I don't know if anybody knows who that is. Anybody? Not everybody, but right? So Bono's the, the lead singer of a huge band, uh, U2. We actually got to go to their concert recently. And, um, and then they had this, he had this conversation. So I, I went down the rabbit trail of this, this conversation. I actually found out that Bono and Eugene Peterson, they, who, it's okay, so if, don't, if you don't know who, you, uh, who Bono is, who's Eugene, does anybody know who Eugene Peterson is? Okay. So not, not everybody knows that. But Eugene Peterson, he's this, this wonderfully rich um, pastor. Rich is not what I meant to say. He, had, he has rich uh, uh, insight. Um, he's an old guy, this old 80, he's actually 84 years old, and he wrote the, the message. He wrote the message Bible translation. And it's really not a Bible translation like we would think of it. It's really a, it's really a, a way of like, interpreting the Bible through almost like poetry. And so I think of these two people, um, one, a, a global rock star who's kind of got, got it, you know, you would think of like, got it all, and you got this, this kind of sweet old pastorly man um, who wrote the Message Bible. They're both artists, and they're both preachers. See, I went, when we went to the U2 concert, I left I left that concert feeling like I needed to change the world. I needed to change my life in some way. And I hope, I think that's what a good preacher is. I, I hope I aspire to be a preacher or a, you know, teacher that's, that's like that, that, get, that makes, that helps people change lives, change their lives. Because that's what I saw at that U2 concert, and that's what I see actually in Eugene Peterson. So through some crazy circumstances, these two guys, Eugene Peterson and Bono, met. And, uh, you know, actually, Eugene Peterson didn't know who Bono was. It's funny. If you watch the story, it's really cool. He's like, I didn't know who this guy was. He invited me to this concert, and I was like, I got to see a mash pit for the first time. And then the guy off the camera says, it's a mosh pit. Oh, yeah, well, that tells you how much I know about this stuff. So, so these two guys are, couldn't be any different, but they meet in, 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 in Eugene Peterson's house in Montana. And I wanted to show you this because I think it's super um, instructive about what the Psalms mean to two different people from two different perspectives 
but sitting together having a conversation. So watch this with me. <laughs> look at this. It's so good to have you here. Great to see you. Oh, God bless you. Oh, God's blessed you, that's for sure. <laughs> look where you live. <laughs> this is quite a spot. You know, I just realized, never been to Montana. Haven't you really? So many gifts already, <laughs> just, just, just since being here. And welcome to the Flathead. That's what I always like to say to people when they come. What is your earliest memory of the Psalms? And what sort of impression did it have on you both? I was 12 years old when I discovered the Psalms. I picked up the Bible and I started reading. And somebody told me that the Psalms were important, so I started with the Psalms. And I was totally confused. Because um, I grew up in a culture where every word in the Bible was the word of God, literally. Don't mess around with it. It's just, that's the way it is. And I was starting to read uh, that he keeps my tears in this bottle, uh, shields, <laughs> uh, javelins, a uh, rock. God is a rock. Come on. And um, after about two or three weeks of this, I just was just confused, and I thought, I'm missing something. And... Uh, I'd never heard the word metaphor before, but I learned what a metaphor was, not by knowing the name, but by just observing what's going on in the Psalms. So I think the Psalms are important because they, for some people, like me, at 12 years old, they showed me that imagination was, um, was a way to get inside the truth. I remember the Psalms from the little Church of Ireland church um, um, as a child going I remember thinking great words shame about the tunes uh, except for the Lord is my shepherd which was a great tune and I really like that this is good words and melodies ah they have this rawness the brutal honesty of whether it's David or not it doesn't matter the psalmist is brutally honest about the explosive joy um, that he's feeling and the deep sorrow or confusion. And it's that that makes, that sets the psalms apart for me. And, and I often think, gosh, well, why isn't church music more like that? Why isn't church music more like that? But what I love about that is it talks about the, the struggle, the brutal honesty that David has with God. And also talks about the imagination, this kind of world of metaphor that Eugene Peterson was exposed to early in his life. And those two poets and preachers meet together. And I think it's a kind of a, a cool metaphor for our, for our own world today that, that uh, you know, we, we all meet together and, and talk about who God is. So I, I would encourage you, if you get a chance, just, just Google or YouTube um, Bono and Eugene Peterson. It's on, it's on there, this whole, it's like 22 minutes. Um, uh, 
documentary from the beginning to the end of it. It's pretty cool. So if you have a chance to that, I, I think that's, that's a, that was cool. But anyways, I watched that documentary and, and the words of Psalm 40, it kept coming back to me. Um, Psalm 40 was adapted actually as, as a song by U2. Um, they call it just 40. But, um, but I love Psalm 40 because it's such a beautiful cry to God about being in these difficult circumstances. And then, and then actually, not just being in this, this circumstances, but it instructs us deeply about what, what we should do and then how God responds. So um, I wanted to kind of go through Psalm 40 with you guys today. So you got to imagine who this person, who David is, um, who the author of this psalm was talking to as he, you know, he's kind of going through his own, his, own, uh, his own struggles, his own circumstances. I mean, if you read a little about the life of David, you can understand why he's feeling like, why me, God? Um, he felt isolated and alone. He was attacked on all sides. He had armies coming after him. He had people that hated him. Um, and he would have been justified in just, you know, kind of saying, you know, why me, God? I don't believe in you. I don't want, you're not taking care of me. Um, but, but let's see what he said, what goes on in the scripture to see what it is about God's character and, and what it is about David's response that makes the difference for David. Um, so let's, let's read this cry uh, from Psalm 40, uh, verses 1 through 10. In the, and I'm going to read it from the ESV. Um, so, but if you like NIV or whatever else, we're going to talk a little bit more about few different interpretations, but let's, let's go through this in, in the SV. So Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of, out of my miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So David, he's waiting patiently. We don't know exactly what he's waiting for, why, why he's crying to God for help. We don't know exactly, you know, what, what it is, but, but, but he has this honesty to God that Bono was talking about. It, and it's not sugar-coated. It's like, I was waiting. I was, you, I was in this pit of destruction. But you get the feeling that the answer to his cry didn't, just didn't happen right away. So when we're in these circumstances, we wish that it would happen right away, that things would change right away, or that, that God could just step in and fix it all. But you get the feeling that this answer didn't happen you know, it, right away. David uses this, this uh, you know, kind of metaphor of the miry pit, feeling like you're stuck in the mud. It's kind of like the metaphor thing that Eugene was talking about just there, um, He's like, you know, you're not really actually in a hole, right? But, but have you ever felt like you're in a hole or in a pit? And you just can't climb out of it? And you're just crying out to God to save you? You know, I've felt like that. But, but in this circumstance, God hears David's cry. He helps him feel grounded. He may not have actually given him what he wanted or what he thought he wanted, but he, he allowed him to put his feet on a, on a firm foundation. The feeling of that struggle of like sinking in the pit is gone because there's a firm foundation below where he is. And, and perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps the circumstances never even changed, but God just gave him this, this feeling of security. And he gave David a new song to sing. And because of that song, David sings... Many people put their trust in God. So you're going to see this come back again a little later. 
It's like whatever God did for David, he proclaimed to the rest of the world a hymn of praise to the faithfulness of his heavenly father. And because of this, many people believed and and trusted God for themselves. So, So that story was amazing. David's response is to praise God and spread the good news. So let's read on. Psalm 40, verses four through five. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. To those who go astray after a lie, right there, is, it's actually in the NIV version, it talks about to those who would turn to false gods. To go astray after a lie. And then David talks about how you've multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. How good you are, how awesome you are. None can compare to you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. It's too much to grasp how beautiful and wonderful and awesome you are, God. It's just amazing how how David can bring out the goodness and and the wonder of God there. But there's that risk that, that comes in verse four uh, as, you lo- as you look there. Um, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. Have you ever seen somebody go astray and try to fix their circumstances on their own? To like, to like find, s- turn to their own false gods or their own understanding? Have you ever seen somebody do that? When, 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 when you're facing trouble, you just, people turn to addiction or, or work, workaholism or Facebook or, I don't know, the people, we all, I, I was going to talk about other people, not us, but um, we talked about your brother-in-law and your sister-in-law and your, maybe your teenager. Like, they do that, right? And we see it, and we're like, that's not going to help. And you see that, but how's it working for them, right? How's it working for them turning to, to their own kind of understanding, their own gospel, their own, you know, their own strength, that doesn't work too well from what I can tell. And like I said, be honest with ourselves, we, we do this. We look to like, how can I solve this problem? How can I get out of this pit myself? Or maybe we think, well, what if I just do something for God and that that will change? I mean, if I just, if I'm just good enough, if I just, you know, pray enough, if I just, if I just, you know, am a good Christian, that, that's going to fix it. And that's what David just talks about next. So let's go to the next part of the psalm. Psalm 40, verse 6 through 8 says this, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And I don't think this quite gets it because it doesn't fit with our own culture. So I actually love how Eugene Peterson in the message puts this portion of this, of this psalm. So I wanted to read it in, in, in the message translation. Psalm 40 once again says, doing something for you, he's talking to God, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, that's not what you're asking for, God. See, you've, you've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter what you wrote about me, and I'm coming to the party you're throwing for me. And that's when God's word entered my life. 
It became part of my very being. Isn't that beautiful? God is singing a song through us. He's, he's, he's throwing a party for us, and I'm coming. And that's when God's word entered my life. See, God's not looking for us to be more religious, but to listen to the story he's telling through you. You see, when Adrienne and I were struggling with infertility, it was really, really, really hard to listen for the story that God was telling through us. See, now I can tell a story, but in the midst of it, it's hard to trust that God is telling a story. See, what we needed was to find that joy, the delight in, in the truth that God is good, that he promises goodness to us. And I know it's not easy. Trust me, I know it's not easy. But God knows the end of the story. And if you trust him, he's going to find a way to tell that beautiful story through you. But then what do we do with that story? What do we do with that story? That's what we're going to talk about next. So David talks about it here in verses 9 through 10. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I haven't kept it to myself. I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. So when when God delivers us, David says, I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to tell that story. When, When God answers prayer when God comes through because he will. It may not be what you think, but he will. David doesn't hide it. He tells the whole congregation. And that concept is throughout scripture. We talked about it when I talked about healing. God doesn't heal us for for our reasons. He heals us because he wants to be made known. He wants to be made famous because of his steadfastness, because of his love for us. And I haven't told you the whole story of our struggle with infertility. Many of you know this story, but, but I'll give you the, the short version because U.S. Open is, you know, Justin Thomas is starting in about <laughs> 15 minutes. So, um, because I, I want to tell that story of the love and the truth and the hope that God provided through our family through the tragedies of, the, of our family. See, Adrienne and I, we did have a baby. We cried out to God and, and we did have a baby. With the help of infertility treatments, God heard our cry and, and, our, and our daughter, Carissa, was born 12 years ago in March. And she would be 12 years old now. But as some of you know, and if you don't know, I'm sorry I have to tell you this, but, but she was born with seizures and about nine years ago, In about two weeks, she passed away at the age of three and a half years old. She passed away in her sleep. And and it's Father's Day today. But I'll never forget the Father's Day gift that I got from Carissa, Father's Day nine years ago. It was a little picture of her that she made in preschool, and it was painted. She painted it 
and it said Happy Father's Day. And it sat on my dresser. I don't know how long I couldn't throw it. I couldn't put it away. I couldn't put it in a box. It was just Happy Father's Day. But the truth is, in that circumstance, it's no longer a Happy Father's Day. And once again, Adrienne and I were in the pit. We were in the pit. My whole family was in the pit. And we cried out to God, why? (laughs) And God heard our cry. And through it all, a story of hope and joy has been told through my family. Because I'm here to proclaim that God, your heavenly Father, hears our cries. And he's raised us up out of that pit. And and we can sing a new song. I can sing a new song. Because my, my family now is full of life. And Preston and Ethan, who are our six year old twins, such a blessing. Kaylin, our three year old baby girl, she's a blessing too. Yeah, same. You must know my daughter. And our newest addition, Zena, uh, who's our German shepherd pep puppy, I don't think she counts, but, you know. But I'm super full of joy on Father's Day today. My feet are on a firm foundation, but not just because God changed our circumstances. I think that's the risk. Like, you hear that story and you say, oh, yeah, Mark, well, that's great because, you know, my dad's not coming back. That's not the point. It's not the point. My feet were on a firm foundation before God changed the circumstances in our lives. I, I truly believed that God had a plan. Because otherwise, there's no hope. But I can tell you there's hope in your circumstances today. God allowed us to use this tragic and painful story that I know, I'm sorry, it's Father's Day and you're crying. I'm sorry. (laughs) But he allowed me to use that story and I wish it was different. I wish it was a different story. But it's my story. And he allowed us to use it to proclaim his glory. So that's why Carissa was born. And that's why Carissa is no longer here. And I want to use that story to tell you that God has a plan in your life. And he has a new song to sing through your life. I don't care where your circumstances are. There's a new song of joy despite our circumstances. When you face trials like David did or when you face trials like I did or when you're facing trials like you are right now. Maybe you're struggling with infertility. Maybe you lost a parent. Maybe you, I don't know what it is for you. But how are you gonna respond? How are you going to respond? Will you tell your story when the time is right? Will you tell your story for the glory of God? Because it's easy to to, to turn to our own answers. It's easy to start looking for our own understanding, to start turning to things that 
are false gods or false promises, but there's one true God who has the promises that we can rely on, who are steadfast. Eugene Peterson um, puts it this way in the message. He says, God is dependable and thorough. When he says steadfast, we like to use big words, steadfast, you know, sometimes, but he's dependable and he's thorough. He understands all the little details of all the stuff that we're dealing with today. He gets it. Are we going to come to the party that God is throwing for us? Are we going to turn to our own understanding? Or maybe we're going to just turn to being good Christians. That's not what he's asking us to. That's not what he's looking for. Because our stories of hope and our stories of redemption, our stories of life change, these are the most powerful stories, the most powerful news that our world can hear today. Because the struggle is real. Because we are real people with real problems. But see, David didn't pull punches saying, oh, you know, God, I want to be nice to you. He said, God, this hurts. He was brutally honest as pun. He was brutally honest with his disappointment, and yet, and yet, he waited patiently for God's song to be sung through his story. And because of that, we have real hope. We have real hope in Jesus. And it may not come tomorrow. Our circumstances may not change. But I can tell you one thing. God is good. God is good. And as the band and the ushers come forward, we're going we're gonna to pray a little bit. We're going to sing a little bit. And this psalm just jumped out at me this week. Like I said, I had another plan in mind, and then God changed this in me. I hope, I hope this psalm has in some way comforted you, in some way challenged you, in some ways given you hope. But I wanted to sing Psalm 40 together, and because I, this is how I, I came about, um, I felt like we should sing, sing 40, um, which is a U2 song, so I'm sorry if we're doing this in church, but you know, you saw, Arno, he's, he's, he's legit, right? He's, he's a Christian. Um, but truthfully, this, this psalm, it was, it's been sung throughout the ages from ancient Israel to those early New Testament Christians who just said, you know, why am I being persecuted? To, to today. I mean, this tune that we're going to put to this song, that was written by you two a few, year, few years back. But, but those words, let those words comfort you. Let those words give you hope that our Heavenly Father, He hears our cry. And because of this, we get to sing a new song. A new song. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for the goodness of who you are. I love your character, your steadfastness, 
your thoroughness, how much you love us. I thank you so much for preserving this song written by David millennia ago. It's amazing. Because it tells us the truth that you hear our cry that you will comfort us, that you will hear our cry. And it tells us and it challenges us to go out and tell the story of who you are to the ends of the earth, God. I just pray that, that, that those who are sitting in this, in this room today just hear this hear this truth from you and, and say I don't know what that means for me I'm not sure whether you just need to accept that, that comfort from God accept the truth that he's good or whether that means for you that, that you need to change and you need to go out and tell that story but God I just thank you I thank you for, for the message that you give and, and I just ask that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do with it and, and the courage to, to step out in faith. And as the ushers come, God, I just, I just pray that you would bless what we bring to you. God, we know it's all yours anyway. We've been blessed beyond measure and I ask that you would bless our offerings and our tithes to the, to the ends of the earth, that you would multiply it, help it to reach those who are hurting, those who are in their own pit. Help, them, help that to reach them, God. We just, we just pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.